Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,132. There's an old man alive that doesn't want to hang on to his youth. Youth is just something that we all clutch and cling to. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Bruce Myers. Hey, Bruce, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Am I ever buckled up? (laughs) Always ready. Bruce Myers grew up in Southern California during the days of drag racing, surfing, and dune buggies. Bruce designed and built the first lightweight dune buggy. He called it the Myers Manx. He built the first 12 all monocoque bodies in 1964. The first Myers Manx was named Old Red, and Bruce still owns Old Red today. BF Myers & Company built 5,280 Myers Manx kits, several hundred Manx twos, and a thousand Myers toadies, a few hundred Manx SRs, and 75 Restorers Touristas, a total of nearly 7,000 kits. He started the storm that became the icon of the Myers Manx. Old Red beat the standing Tijuana La Paz motorcycle record by over five hours, culminating in the first Baja off-road race. Old Red was inducted into the historic vehicle register as the car of significant design and construction. And today, Bruce and his wife, Winnie, run Myers Manx, Inc., offering five different models of kit cars out of Southern California. Well, Bruce, you have had an incredible life. I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Before we jump into the questions, could uh, you take a brief moment and share a little bit about your amazing career and passion for automobiles. Okay, uh, if it's possible, I I, <laughs> I I look at cars as being two things. They're either engineering and art. And mm. most most of us look at the engineering side. I mean, the hot riding world is all about carburetors and engines and trannies and all that stuff. I'm more of the artistic side, but I'm aware of all that. I, I in fact took an interest in most of that engineering stuff but but today the average guy doesn't realize that he's he's more hung up with twisting the knobs on a carburetor than he is looking at the shape well i was kind of i'm artistically uh pushed my mother was a famous singer and uh i i think i got her her help in my genetics yeah I'm i'm more artistic than anything so that's the reason for the Myers Manx. It was made to have a certain kind of gesture in that I spent years and years in art schools. So I became a, a teacher, a teacher of figure drawing. When you do facial things, it's all about accuracy because if it doesn't look like the guy you're drawing, it's bad, it's badly drawn. It just doesn't have a likeness. <laughs> yes. But when you draw figures, you're more interested in the gesture or the sense of life or movement. So that's kind of where I come from. I spent so many years doing that that when I built a dune buggy, uh, it had a lot of gesture because I knew it had to. It it had to say fun and it had to be attractive. Well, somehow I I touched a chord in people and then, my God, it was it, it goes way beyond what my 7,000 kit cars, it goes around the world. There was several hundred people making copies of the Myers Manx Dune Buggy. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing life. And I understand you went to Art Center. Is that correct? 
I, I went to Chenard's down here in Los Chenard's? Angeles. Chenard's? Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah, I went, awesome. I, up in San Francisco, I went to Art League. That's another school up there. But anyway, go ahead. There you go. Well, listen, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, maybe some kind of saying or meaning that kind of helped move you along or drove you through your your passion. I love the fact that you started as an artist. I didn't know that about you, so it's fantastic. This is a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Bruce, take the wheel. The art part of it is, uh, to me the part that people don't seem to recognize, at least they they respond to it because it says fun. For instance, those first 12 monocoques that I built, I built every one of them myself, the kit, complete kit, from which then you took it over. But I was more taken by all the details. and I had aluminum castings, machined parts, and a folding windshield, and a 15-gallon gas tank, and all this. The features, I, I felt I wanted to give them as much as I could. But there's a guy in there one day, and he bought a kit, but he had his head underneath the car. He says, yeah, I see it. I said, what do you see? He says, oh, I see the Volkswagen floor pan. I, and I, I ignored him. And he didn't have a floor pan. He, he was looking probably at the axles. But whatever, the point being is that what I realized from him was that they only looked at the, the, the shape the shape of the car said fun. The shape of the car said youth. There isn't an old man alive that doesn't want to hang on to his youth. Youth is just something that we all clutch and cling to. And so making it fun and looking something like craziness out of youth was important. And that came from my sense of gesture in drawing figures. So I put something into it that made it really successful. It, it was so successful, the movie scriptwriters didn't leave it alone. We had, I think, five different movies with famous guys driving Manxes in movies. Elvis Presley and Steve McQueen and Chuck Connors and and, and so forth and so on. So I, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you what took place because of the gesture. The gesture was everything. Yeah, it is all in the design. And I don't think anybody can look at a Myers-Manx without smiling. And especially if they're of an older generation like mine or older, uh, I'm 60 years old, and I remember those as a kid. I remember riding them as a kid. I mean, they you just put a big smile on your face. So I love, I love that whole concept that is the style that's important. I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about your personal passion for cars and what started all this. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were indeed going to be a car my father was a car guy because he came across the United States in a Model T with my mother. My mother and my oldest sister, Peggy, who was born in Dayton, Ohio, my grandpa, Grandma O'Neill's, and he he never left the town until it was a Ford dealer. So my father put together the Ford dealerships across the United States back in the days of Model T's. Today, we take dune buggies and drive across the United States, and I always think of my dad and the family. And and they had, I guess they had side curtains, but they were driving in a Model T, which much the same feeling as as a as a Manx or a dune buggy. But we have these trips with, oh, we start with ten or fifteen here in the West Coast. By the time we get to the East Coast, we've got fifty, and they all come into the town tooting their horns, and everybody's, you know, when you drive around in a Manx, uh, you don't realize that you're sort of starting a parade. Everybody toots at you. People wave at you. People come out of their stores and 
point. They see a doom button, and also they see three, and then they see 40. And, you know, it, it's always a fun thing, an exciting thing. And when you get to the other end of the country, you got 50 doom buggies, and we have a gathering of maybe 150 doom buggies at these gatherings. Oh, my gosh. That and is big, incredible. Well, the biggest uh, Manx Club gathering is in Big Bear out of L.A., and we've had over 300 signed up. With another oh, my gosh. 100 others crashing the party. So, you know, the doom buggy is alive and well. Uh, indeed. Indeed it is. Absolutely. And I want to let our listeners know, if I may ask you, you've been around here for a while. How old are you today, Bruce? I'm 92. 92. I'm about wow. to be 93 in March the 12th. Wow. Well, let me, I, let me go back when I was 11 years old. I, yeah. I was all about, you know, my friends, we, we, walk through a junkyard and they were always invent in, interested in things like the uh, ratios in a transmission or the engine or the mechanical stuff. I was always looking at the door panels, the fenders. Yeah. I said, that's model, that's a model A or this is a model T or that's, and so when I was 11 years old, I, I built a buggy that was, you climb into, it had a folding top and a V windshield, like the very first Ford V8 had a 1937 with had its first V windshield. I, I didn't mm-hmm. let that go by because I was very aware of, <laughs> of these shapes. And so the yeah. shapes and bodywork is more of the, or the classic part of the car. And mechanics, I, I was aware of and I cared about, but I didn't really put the, the interest in it that my friends did. So I, yeah. I wound up thinking more of its bodywork and its, its look. And of course. Movement. Of course. You're a designer. That's why. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've been down because you've been down a lot of roads. I would love for you to share a big challenge or even a big failure you faced along the way. No doubt. And I know you ran up against a lot of challenges, especially when it came to people copying your ideas and basically stealing your ideas and selling them around the world. But well, walk us through one of those and tell us, tell us how you dealt with that and what you learned from it. How I dealt with it was to... I got really pissed. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I went to the courtroom, and the lawyer and the, the two lawyers, my own lawyer had never been in a courtroom. He was a boy. And the judge took a dislike to me. And mm. uh, I was trying to explain to him that, that in Rodentrack Magazine is where my wife had worked. They loaned us a little bit of money, 21000 and that gave them mm-hmm. a 30% interest in in Myers Manx, and which okay. of course is where I bought my first chopper gun and bought it, got a bigger shop and, and hired all kinds of people and put, put the thing in together. But yeah. he didn't believe me that Road and Track never put us on the cover or put us inside the magazine. I said, no, that they were so, uh, the Road and Track publishers, John Elaine Bond, were so sensitive to being pointed out as somebody that have a garage full of Pontiacs because they said something good about Pontiac. Uh, that, wasn't, yes. that wasn't true. And they were very sensitive to that, so they never did anything. I, I was mm-hmm. on the cover of Hot, or pardon me, of Car and Driver three times. I was wow. never, ever on the cover of Road and Track, which owned a part of my company. That's a big yeah. secret I just let out. They're all gone now. It doesn't really matter. But, but the, sure. the, the business of what I was trying to explain to the judge, he didn't believe me. And so he, mm. he he rang the gavel against me, and I lost my patent. And so my oh, patent no. went out the door, and what happened was 
I became so angry because I had a company with 60 or 70 people, 200 Myers-Manx dealers, a trucking fleet, a very successful company. Along the way, while I was doing that, I invented the fiberglass hot tub. That became another part of the thing, which I refused to go and get a patent anymore because of this treatment that I took in the courtroom. And I then I invented the bedliner for pickup trucks. And I, again, I didn't patent anything. So I, I was so bitter that when my company finally closed its doors because it couldn't keep the doors open because there were so many copiers, my own dealers, I had 200 dealers, and they were buying copies because they were cheap. So here I was being screwed by everybody in every direction. So for 20, 21, I believe 23 years or something, I was invited to France with my wife, Winnie, to come and enjoy this celebration of the 25th anniversary of the fiberglass dunebuggy on the shores of Europe. So we went there. We were at Le Mans Racetrack, a very famous place. And they had a real Myers Banks for me. And, and my, my host, Jackie Merrill, said, Bruce, I want you to lead the parade around the track. And we have 1,100 Volkswagens, about the first two or 300 are plastic dune buggies, mostly like copies of yours. I looked at those dune buggies and I saw them and I said, no, I'm not, I won't use any bad words here, but I'm not leading those guys anywhere. He, he said, no, wait a minute, you've got to change focus. He says, all you're doing is thinking about the bad guys. I said, yeah, that's right. He says, you know that they're mostly dead? You're worried and pissed off about people that don't exist anymore? That you are, you are angry at yesterday. You cannot change yesterday. He said, there's a, there's a canary in this cage. The canary is covered up and he's quiet. You uncover the canary and he starts singing to the sunshine coming through the window. While he's singing to the sunshine, he's crapping on yesterday's newspaper, which is a <laughs> You know, what a wonderful thing for him to say to you. Now, how did you respond? What was your thought process? I said, oh, no, wait, no, wait. And he had me in every corner. I couldn't disagree with him. Yes, you can't change yesterday. You cannot yeah. do anything about what's already been done. He says, what you want to do is find something positive. I said, what's positive about something that was stolen from me? He says, the two smiling faces in the dune buggy. Yes. Whoa. Yes. And I Big stopped wild. on that one. He had me cold. He says, yeah. I want you to go home, back to America, start a club, write a book, and build a new Manx in the 90s, which is the Manxster. I did all there those There you things. go. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. He had me so straightened out. I changed my life. He changed my life. That was Jack Morrell. Jackie Morrell has become a dear friend, of course. What what he did was he turned this angry guy that the world had been screwing and cheating and turned him around to to realize that only those two happy faces are all you should be thinking about. And so I didn't only start a club. I started a club for every kind of copy. The next mm -hmm. book has is open doors to all kinds of plastic buggies, or in fact, any wow. dune buggy. I mean, bur burrows and metal dune buggies and other kinds. Yeah. They're all there. The, the club is the biggest club in the world. It's probably, well, it's had over 5,000 members. There's usually uh, 1,200, 1,500 people that are active in our club. So we, we constantly take care of the people in the next club because they're those happy faces. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Your story, Bruce, 
Isn't brings goosebumps. Yeah, it's it's a it's such a heartwarming story, and I can't tell you how happy and glad I am that he shared that with you, and you embraced it and took it forward. I think that story is a movie. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah. I can paint the whole picture. I can see it in my mind. It's how many people change their lives. Over yes, something. I, you know, cars. Yeah, when I started this, I started around my mantra of inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and this is one of those incredible, inspiring stories that teaches those people who have been screwed by others or mistreated or abused or whatever it might be that you can change your life. And Bruce is an example of that extraordinaire. So thank you so much for sharing. I am so happy for you and Winnie that you embrace that concept. Let's talk about a big aha moment. I think you just shared one right there, but maybe we talk a bit about how that, that aha moment with that wonderful man in at Le Mans changed your life and how you moved forward from there. And you talked about the clubs and you talked about the new things, but you're still going today. My goodness. Yes, I, I can't stop. My, I'm, oriented, <laughs> I'm oriented to the shop. I'm not a business guy. Obviously, I'm an artist, and yes. you know, I today I, I'm so happy to be alive and to be at the head of all these people that are happy with doom buggies. It's a hobby, yeah. and and I can't tell you how many men have walked up to me to shake my hand and tell me that I had saved their boy from going into yeah. drugs. Oh and my I goodness! Say, how do you do that? He says, he says the, the boy is. I smell the grass coming out of his bedroom. But he comes out with this magazine and says, look at the bitch and doom buggy, Dad. And Dad yeah. knew what he had to do. He went and bought a kit and an old mm-hmm. Volkswagen, and they started bonding. And they spent eight, ten months building the car. And today, Dad is gone. The boy is 55 years old, and he says, and that's the doom buggy. I'll never sell it. Wow. Another awesome story right there. <laughs> I always ask my guests about their first special car. Obviously, your first special car is red, and that car still exists. That first Myers Manx. Tell us a little bit about that car. And the question I have for you, Bruce, and I look at the pictures, there's some green tubes on the front and the sides of that car. What yeah. are those things? All right. You can't set records where there is no gasoline. Ah, okay. There's nobody, there's nobody waiting for you. Today, yes. a pit stop is about every 150 miles. There's 300 people with every kind of tool and welding gear and all that stuff. And you roar in and they come out and they roar around and they change wheels and tires and fill you full of gas and you're gone. When you set the very first record to start off-road racing, there's nobody waiting. And there was a thousand miles of desolate ranchos and just little dirt trails. Now, we've been there a lot. I spent a couple of years roaming around Baja with my buggies and my friends with their buggies. And we, we learned that the most important thing to that culture was their churches and their mines. Every crossroad was either a mine or a church or both. And so we learned about the history. And you wonder, my God, here's this equipment lying here in the sun, rusting away. It's 150 years old. How did it get here? It came from Scotland. Well, how did they get up from the, where the ship came in? I don't know. They must have had dray horses or oxen or something. But you got to admire the grit. You have to admire the, the toughness of the people. And so I was all hung up in the history of Baja. But having said all that, when we heard about these motorcycles, I set a record of around 40 hours. 
I have a dear friend, Ted Mangles, who was most, he never thought inside the box. He was always thinking outside the box. And he said, why don't we take on that bike record? And I said, you can't do it. He says, yes, you can. And we both crawled around on maps. And he says, just put down the five mile an hour, 20 mile an hour, 40 mile an hour, whatever averages from point to point. And at the end of which you bet you spent about 30 hours to drive the length of Baja. And I, I was surprised that beat the bike record by over 10 hours. And so he shows me that it was feasible. So we had a feasibility run and we took another couple of cars as chase cars and we drove to the other end of the peninsula in under 30 hours. The old bike record was 40 hours. So, wow. so we had to leave uh, that town with the Mexicans sending radio messages to the other end of Tijuana. So that when we came across the line, they'd check us in and we, we broke the record by over 10 hours. That's incredible. And, and those, those green tubes. My wife worked at Road and Track magazine. She was in charge of the advertising desk. And those people were very, very kind to me. They loved everything I was doing. They admired it, and uh, they they said we're going to set it on fire. They never put me on the cover. They never wrote much about me. One little article years later, because they were so frightened of being accused of helping somebody. So mm-hmm. they, they were just quiet. But they are the guys that, that put it together. Jim Crow was an author of a book about Baja, and he always thanked Bruce Myers for being the guy that showed him the place because he was in that that other car that followed this thing when we went down there with the three bottles. <laughs> the three bottles you wow. out are just, they were oxygen bottles with gasoline in them, and I had okay. uh, a 15-gallon tank with those. That made 40 gallons, and we needed 65 altogether, so we had 25 gallons in the car. Uh, between our knees, we had five-gallon jugs. Behind oh my the gosh. Seats, we had two-and-a-half-gallon jugs behind. All around us, we had the other. We had 65 gallons of gas in the car, mostly, like I said, between our knees or under our elbow or something. And that's wow. the way we set the first record. So it was all about craziness uh, <laughs> and, and youthful, screw it, nobody hurts me. You know, I'm, yeah. everybody yeah. else dies, but not me. I'm... My father used to say, I'm not young enough to know everything. Stop on that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a wonderful story. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely fantastic. Well, you are still going strong today. I would love for you to share with my listeners. What is making you excited and fired up at this point in your life? What are you guys doing there today at Myers Manx Incorporated? My wife runs the office, and we have kids coming and going all day long. We don't have a big business, but we keep selling Myers Manx kits. And now everybody wants a, the original. The original was mm-hmm. the Manx, of course. And, and if you have, don't have an original, well, take the body off and go get, get a, an original body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we, I don't know. We're happy. Jackie yeah. Merle left me with this. You made happy faces, and there's no. There's never been any money involved in any of this. It's always. It's always about just doing the right thing with people and seeing yeah. smiles and happiness. I'm working as, as Winnie talked to me, she came out, I was out in the shop. She says, Oh my God, you're on the phone. I said, Oh my, I forgot, I forgot about that. I'm actually working right now at writing the book. The book is of, well, there's just three books. The first book was Bruce Myers called to Baja, 
And that explains mm-hmm. all that stuff about racing. The yeah. second book is The Sea and Me. I was a sailor and I traveled a lot. I sailed on big ships and I was in the Navy and I jumped off a burning aircraft carrier and I've done a lot of crazy crap in my life. And uh, wow. the third the third book is, uh, what is the name of it? Oh, I'm trying to remember. It's uh, The Birth of a Smile. Wonderful. See, the Manx, yeah. uh, the, this Birth of a Smile is, I'm, I'm actually looking at the paper right in front of me right now at my desk. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm writing down my experiences. So you're going to get a big book with three books within it. And wow, nice. Now, when will these books be available? Oh God, let's say that I hope in the next six or eight weeks. Oh, okay, coming up real quick. So awesome, that's great. And book. where can people find copies of them? That's a good question. You know, the first book I published, I, I did a little um, self-publishing, and you you mm-hmm. you can do it cheap. And it goes to China and it's printed and it comes back and three weeks later, your, your driveway is full of books and boxes. But what you're doing is you're buying something cheap and you're not getting a lot of distribution. So if you yes. want, if you want a small distribution, do it that way. If you want big distribution, they keep all the money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. That's so sometimes the way it goes. If you're yeah. not looking for money and you want the big distribution, which I'd rather have, because I really, I really want the world to understand that you don't have to be unhappy in life. What a wonderful story. Oh, my goodness. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Bruce. I almost feel silly asking you this because I think I know the answer. But if Bruce Myers was manifested into a vehicle, what would he be? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Silly uh, question, isn't it? He, yeah, well, he'd be a happy dune buggy. A happy doom, but yes, with a big smile. You know, the, the Myers Makes has a smile on the front. When I look at it, it looks like it's smiling. It just, it just does. And now I know it's really smiling. You know, having listened to your stories, that, that was misconstrued in the courtroom. I was told that I had copied another doom buggy, and all doom buggies up to the point of mine were made out of tubing and aluminum top riveted for cover which gives it a kind of an origami look and and, and it you don't have a lot of possibility of anything that would be considered sculptural and so without taking them all apart i just added a whole lot of sculpture you would be surprised at what i draw my drawings are very very professional my favorite is michelangelo oh yes and, I, and I, I i love that stuff and I brought that to a dune buggy, imagine. <laughs> yeah. The Michelangelo of dune buggies. Awesome. Well, Bruce, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics styles, colors, and more. 
From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Bruce, we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, That was from uh, a a wonderful teacher that said, "It's you're driven by your instincts, Bruce. You just have the right instincts. There you go. Awesome. Now, how about a personal habit? Is there one of yours that you've carried through your life that has contributed to your many successes? Yes. Pretty girls. (laughs) Well, I know Winnie's quite beautiful. (laughs) So there you go. And you and Winnie have been married for quite some time, right? Uh Uh-oh. Don't get get in trouble here. She's younger than me. I'm I'm sitting here, I think, 30 years. 30 years. All right. I've been married way too many times. I've been married six times. Well, this one stuck. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I, 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 I finally found what I was looking for. Uh, first, I think so. The first one took the kids and ran and left me just dying. And I, oh, I went no. through a lot of emotional t- stuff that uh, I'd rather not yeah. talk about. But of course. Maybe the depth of your feelings is a part of the doom buggy. Now, how about a resource? You know, these days, there are so many awesome resources for people. Is there one in particular that's a go-to for you that you could share? I said something the other day. I said, I know nothing about the world of the computer, cell phones, and all that. And he says, I think you're lucky, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you one thing. I I was a little bit that way when I started podcasting, and now I've kind of had to embrace it because of what we're doing. But the wonderful thing about technology is it does what it's doing here, and that is brings people's voices to others to inspire them. So I think there's a little bit of... Good in there. <laughs> I want everybody to look for those two smiling faces. Yes, absolutely. It, Every it day turned, in your life. It, it turned my life around. Absolutely. Ah, it's, it's wonderful. Huge, a huge input. It, it yeah. changed my life. No doubt. If I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with a person from the automotive field, past or present, living or deceased, who would that person be? I came to know John DeLorean. He was mm. a great guy. 
I used to have Thursday night dinner with him once long ago. It's another story. Oh, my gosh. Wow. But he's gone now. But he was a sad sack. And I found that his beautiful wife was living out here in California, getting drunk every night at parties. And and they had a baby, which John had with a an old lady that took care of the baby back in Gross Point, Michigan. So John got, a, got on a plane every Thursday evening or Friday, and, and he, he gets off the plane in L.A., and there's a Cadillac waiting for him, and he drives to Laguna Beach, and he finds everybody drunk. And then he goes back home on he, he He had a very sad life with all of his fame. I don't know. He, he left me with something. I, I think of him a lot. I liked him because he was, he was real. Yeah, that's an amazing story. I had a guest on the show here who wrote a book about him, who worked with him for many, many years, from the very beginning to the turning the lights off in the factory when everything shut down with the DeLorean Motor Company. Uh, yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating book. And speaking of books, I always ask my guests for their favorite book. Now, when your books are all out and ready, I want Winnie to give me a call and let oh, me know so worry. I can let my listeners know. But is there another book you might recommend that you've really enjoyed? I'm not a great big reader. I, uh, You're I'm a doer. doer. Yeah. <laughs> doer. I was on yes. the shop making some. I've got a buggy out in the shop that's waiting for me after I do this book. Uh, it's a it's a buggy that has a door in it. How about that? See, oh, I, wow. Well, the point being that when I designed the Manx, I was 38. And there was a bunch yes. of jerks in my shop all the time. And so I didn't know how high to make the sign to climb in and out. So I put a couple of little uprights on the chassis that I was working on and a, and a bar that went horizontally and you could clamp it up and down. And I asked all my, I called them my committee, to climb in and out <laughs> and put the, this little horizontal bar wherever they felt. And yeah. they climbed in and out a lot. And the farther down it went, the more easy it was to climb in and out, but more unprotected. The higher it was, the more protected, but the harder it was to get in and out. So... I had them initial it, and after two or three weeks, my committee told me what to do, and that's today, this, the height. Now, the problem is I was 38, and they're all younger than me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they can leap into cars a lot easier than you and I can, so. Well, old people uh, come, and they lament. They love their buggy, but my wife has got to so get old, in. She can't climb in and out of it anymore, and they sold the buggy. See, I, I knew that I was making something for youth. But at yeah. the same time, it's it's not too hard to put a door in it. So I'm I've got one half done out in the shop that I'm going to go out after the the book is done. There you go. Very nice. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources Bruce has shared on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com. Type in Bruce Myers. I know we've had Bruce Meyer on the the show. I know you know Bruce from Los oh, Angeles, yeah. a consummate oh, yeah. car guy, but. But remember, Bruce Myers has an S on the end of his name. All right, Bruce, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question, well, it can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. Doesn't matter what it costs. Doesn't matter who owns it. I'm going to get it for you and deliver it to you. But here are the rules. And I'm going to I'm going to adjust the rules for you a little bit. Normally, I tell people it's the only collector car they can have. I'm not going to make you get rid of Old Red because you can't get rid of that car. <laughs> That's a part of you. So you can keep Old Red in the corner, but I want you to add this car. But remember, money is no object, but you can't sell this car to buy a bunch of other toys or tools with. And uh, I want you to drive it. It needs to be a car that you would go out on the road and enjoy. So what can I buy Bruce Myers today? Wow. I don't think you can buy me much. I, 
I can only <laughs> I can only brag about the fact that there's only 13 cars in the Library of Congress. Old Red it was the second one chosen. Wow, incredible! That, that is that's, just that's an American that's an American collection, and uh, the the buggy made it into that wonderful place. Yeah, so, wow. Let's hope. Let's hope that uh, they're they're looking to put up a museum building. And when that happens, Old Red will be leaving my shop and going back there. Yeah, I think so. Well, let's let's have a little bit of fun here because I want to see the other side of Bruce Myers. <laughs> Again, I'm going to buy you anything you want. You've still got Old Red, so don't worry about that. That's going to stay in your life or go to a museum someday to uh, recognize you and your endeavors. But is there a car out there that you've seen over your lifetime, an old car, something fun, race car maybe that you just think that'd be kind of cool to have. I'm, I'm kind of in love with Porsches. Oh, <laughs> you I've said my favorite word. <laughs> a couple, a couple. I've only had a couple of Porsches. I sold them in order to start Myers Banks. My very first Porsche was Shirley and I went to Texas because the guy had a Porsche. It was a '57 coupe, and uh, we got on the train, and we had to have been salami and cheese to keep from starving on the train trip for two days. And we bought the Porsche <laughs> and drove it back here. And, and then that wow. Porsche was in my life for a long time. And then I, I got a later one, a 61, which in those days was a big deal. And uh, I, I'm, I like them because their size and their, yes. there's an honesty about all that. There's something about we don't need more. When you rode a horse, you had a saddle. What did we? What did we need more than that for? See, we become terribly soft. Every, yeah. You realize that everybody—that's the cowboys and the Indians—all slept on the ground at night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, tough there, guys. There, there was no motels. <laughs> See, I'm, I like the all that basic honesty stuff. So I guess little cars are more efficient and somehow more honest. They do with it what you need. Yeah, I think so. Well. You're tugging on my heartstrings. I love the old Porsche 356. I've always wanted one. Of course, they become incredibly expensive. Yes. But for you, I think uh, I think I could find something pretty cool for you <laughs> to park in your garage. Maybe something a little custom, like a, a Rod Emery Outlaw 356, or something oh, that John Wilhoit John Wilhoit could build for you. He does some beautiful cars. I think that would be pretty cool. Well. My I goodness, like your, Bruce. I like your thought. Yeah, I do. Well, of course, those are two great guys, and they're both past guests here on Cars. Yeah, so. They're near and dear to my heart. Well, Bruce, you have taken us on an incredible ride today through an incredible life's journey. I know you and I could probably talk for hours and hours and hours. Yes, I really, I really appreciate you being on my show. Could you offer maybe our listeners a little parting piece of guidance or wisdom before you drive off in the sunset in Old Red? I, I was just reading something. I'm reading my book, and there's an insert that until one makes a decision, nothing will happen. But once the decision is made, all manner of things come to the aid of the decision that were probably thought to not exist. But make that decision. Go forward. And the forward decision brings all sorts of help. It's, it's a wonderful tool to just be positive, And the positive will bring you the answers. That's something I think needs to be up on the wall right above my desk here. That is just a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful quote. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with what you're doing these days and find out more about your company? Go to the bookstore. 
<laughs> I was also going to say you do have a website, right? MyersManx.com? That's right. I'm sorry. Absolutely. You're, That's Manx. okay. I'll make sure, listeners, I put a link to that on Bruce's show notes page. I would encourage you to check out what Bruce is up today. And my goodness, uh, if he is not an inspiring automotive enthusiast, I don't know what is. Uh, he, Bruce, you're an example of how to follow your dreams follow your truths, and get some things done. And at this uh, point in your life, uh, about to be 93, right? Yes. Um, oh my. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, brother, um, my brother is 97. Oh, my and, gosh. <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't even know it. Well, that's the most important thing. <laughs> I think that's the secret to life right there. Well, again, Bruce, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. Thank you to Winnie for connecting us. She's been oh, a, a sure. great help on all this. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. I hope it's soon. I hope it's soon, too. Thank you. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp., Member FINRA SIPIC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!